Hello, my friends. This is Nikki. Welcome to Learning About the Lord. Today we're going to be talking about the demoniac of Capernaum, who was cured in the synagogue by the Lord. We begin in the synagogue. Oh, by the way, I am reading from Maria Valtorta's The Poem of the Man-God, Volume 1. We begin in the synagogue where the Lord is preparing to preach. He stretches out his arms in his usual oratorial attitude. Silence is now perfect. He begins, Who came to sanctify you has risen. He has come out from the secrecy of his house, where he prepared himself for this mission. He purified himself to give you an example of purification. He established his position with the mighty ones in the temple and with the people of God and is now amongst you. It is I. Not as some of you think and hope, with clouded minds and unrest in your hearts. The kingdom of which I am the future king, and to which I call you, is more notable and greater. I am calling you Israel before any other people, because in the fathers of your fathers you received the promise of this hour, and of the alliance with the Most High Lord, but his kingdom will not be established with armed multitudes or wild blood shedding, and neither the violent nor the overbearing, the proud, the wrathful, the envious, the lustful, the avaricious will enter it, but only the good, the meek, the continent, the merciful, the humble, the patient, and those who love God and their neighbors will be admitted. Israel, you are not asked to fight against external enemies, but against internal ones, against those who are in your hearts, in the hearts of thousands and thousands of your children. Remove the barrier of sin from all your hearts, if you want God to gather you together tomorrow and say to you, My people, yours is the kingdom that will never be defeated, or invaded, or undermined, by enemies. Repent of your sins to be forgiven and to be ready for the kingdom. Remove from yourselves the barrier of sin. Each of you has his own. Each has the one against the Ten Commandments of eternal salvation. Examine your consciences with sincerity and you will find your errors. Repent with sincere humility. You must repent not just with your mouths, you cannot laugh at or deceive God, but repent with a firm will that will make you change your ways of living and return to the law of the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is waiting for you tomorrow. Tomorrow, you may ask? Oh, the hour of God is always an early morrow, even when it comes at the end of a life as long as the patriarchs. Eternity does not use as a measure of time the slow flowing of a sand glass, and the measures of time which you call days, months, years, centuries, are but heartbeats of the eternal spirit that keeps you alive. But your souls are eternal, and you must adopt for your souls the same measure of time as your Creator does. You must therefore say, Tomorrow will be the day of my death, no, not death for the faithful, but rest of expectation 
waiting for the Messiah to open the gates of heaven. And I solemnly tell you that only twenty-seven of you here present will die and have to wait. So Jesus is referring to the waiting period, the purgatory. The rest will be judged before their death, and their death will be a transition to God or Satan without any delay because the Messiah has come. So now Jesus has announced himself as the Messiah, as the Savior, present in the world. He is amongst you and calls you to give you the gospel, to teach you the truth and save you in heaven. Do penance. The morrow of the kingdom of heaven is impending. May it find you pure so that you may possess the eternal day. Peace be with you. A bearded, sumptuously dressed Israelite stands up to contradict the Lord. He says, Master, what you have stated appears to be in contrast with what is said in the sacred book of the Maccabees, Glory of Israel. It is said there, Indeed, when evildoers are not left for long to their own devices, but incur swift retribution, it is a sign of great benevolence. In the case of the other nations, the Lord waits patiently for them to obtain the full measure of their sins before he punishes them. According to what you said, instead, the Most High would appear to be very slow in punishing us, waiting, as for the other nations, the time of judgment, when the measure of sins is full. Events, indeed, give you the lie. Israel is punished, as stated by the historian of the Maccabees. But if what you say is correct, is there no conflict between your doctrine and the sentence I have quoted? I do not know who you are, says Jesus, but I will give you my answer, whoever you are. There is no conflict in the doctrine, but only in the interpretation of the words. You interpret them in a human sense, I instead in a spiritual one. You see everything as referred to the present time and transient things, and you represent the majority of people who think likewise. I represent God, and I explain and apply everything to eternal and supernatural matters. It is true Yahweh did strike you at present because of your pride and because you considered yourselves a nation according to the world. But how much he loved you and how patient he is with you, more than with anyone else, granting you the Savior, his Messiah, that you may listen to him and be saved before the hour of the wrath of God. He does not want you to be sinners any longer. But if he struck you in the fleeting worldly things, seeing that the injury does not cure your souls, nay, it makes them duller and duller, he does not inflict a further punishment, but he grants you salvation. He sends you him who cures and saves you, I who am speaking to you. And the man says, Do you not consider yourself bold in avowing yourself a representative of God? None of the prophets dared so much, and you, who are you, who are speaking, and by whose order do you speak? And Jesus answers, The prophets could not say of themselves what I state of myself. Who am I? The expected one, the promised one, the Savior. 
you have already heard his precursor say, Prepare the way for the Lord. Here the Lord God is coming, like a shepherd he will feed his flock, although he is the Lamb of the true Passover. Many amongst you heard these words from the precursor, and they saw the heavens brighten with a light that descended in the shape of a dove, and they heard a voice speak and say who I am. By whose order do I speak? By the order of him who is, and who sends me. You say that, said the man, but you may be a liar or a dreamer. Your words are holy, but Satan sometimes uses deceitful words painted with holiness to deceive people. We do not know you. And the Lord says, I am Jesus of Joseph of the house of David. I was born at Bethlehem Ephrathah, as was promised, named Nazarene, because I live at Nazareth, and that according to the world. According to God, I am his messenger. My disciples know. Oh, says the man, they, they can say what they like or what you tell them to say. And Jesus answers, Another will speak who does not love me, and will say who I am. Wait till I call one of the people present here. Jesus looks at the crowd who are astonished and annoyed at the dispute, and divided between the two opposite doctrines. He looks for someone with his sapphire eyes, and then in a loud voice he calls, Ageus, come here, it is an order. There is a great excitement in the crowd. They open out to let a man pass who is violently shaking all over his body and is supported by a woman. Do you know this man? asks Jesus. Yes, says the man. He is Agaius of Malachi of Capernaum. He is possessed by an evil spirit which tortures him with sudden fury fits. Does everybody know him? asks Jesus. And the crowd shouts, Yes, we do. Can any of you say that he has spoken to me, even for a few minutes? asks Jesus. The crowd shout, No, no, he is half-witted. He never leaves his house, and no one has seen you in it. Jesus says, Woman, bring him here in front of me. The woman pushes and drags him, while the poor man trembles more than ever. The head of the synagogue warns Jesus, Be careful, the devil is about to torture him. And then he rushes at people, scratches and bites them. The crowd moves away, thronging against the walls. Jesus and the man are now facing each other. There is a moment's struggle. The man, usually mute, seems to have difficulty in speaking. He moans. Then his voice turns into words. What is there between us and you, Jesus of Nazareth? Why have you come to torture us? Why do you want to destroy us? You, the Lord of heaven and earth. I know who you are, the Holy of God. No one in human flesh was ever greater than you because in your flesh of man is enclosed the spirit of the eternal winner. You have already beaten me. So you can see that Satan recognizes the Lord. B. 
Be quiet, says Jesus. I order you to come out of this man. The man has a fit of strange convulsions. He is tossed about by jerks and thrusts as if someone pulled and pushed him, violently ill-treating him. He shouts in a wild voice, foams at his mouth, and is then thrown down onto the ground. He gets up, astonished and cured. Have you heard? What do you say now? Jesus asks his opponent. The bearded, sumptuous man shrugs his shoulders and, obviously beaten, goes out without replying. The crowd scoff at him and applaud Jesus. Silence, says Jesus. This place is sacred. Bring me the man to whom I promised help from God. Another man, a sick man, comes forward. Jesus caresses him. You believed me. Be cured. Go in peace and be just. The young man lets out a yell. I wonder what he feels. He kneels down before Jesus, kisses his feet, thanking him. Thanks from me and from my mother, says the man. Other sick people come, a little boy with paralyzed legs. Jesus takes him in his arms, caresses him, and puts him down, and leaves him. The child does not fall, but runs to his mother, who clasps him to her heart, weeping, and in a loud voice blesses the Holy One of Israel. A little old blind man comes, led by his daughter. He also is cured with a caress on his diseased eyes. There is a roar of blessing from the crowd. Jesus makes his way through the crowd, smiling, and although he is tall, he would not succeed in pushing through if Peter, James, Andrew, and John did not work generously with their elbows to make their way and reach Jesus and then escort him to the exit onto the square. So in this lesson we learn that Jesus has come, he's announced himself, he's told people that the chosen people of God are chosen not to fight battles with swords, and shields to shed blood and gain their freedom as a nation from Rome. Instead, they are chosen to fight much greater battles, internal battles, battles of good versus evil, battles of virtue over sin. He asks them to repent their sins and come forward in the new way, constantly conscious of God and of virtue, and of keeping good, and of obeying the commandments. And when he is challenged as to who he really is, because he does proclaim himself the Messiah, he says, I will show you who I am through the voice of others. And the first person he chooses to identify him is someone possessed by the devil, because the devil knows God. And the devil cries, leave me alone, leave me alone. I've possessed this person. Do not throw me out. And the devil always, always has to submit to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you ever feel a little devil inside you telling you to do something wrong, maybe pick up the bottle and drink some alcohol, maybe take some drugs, maybe sleep around. Remember, you can apply to the Lord and say, God, help me, 
Remove this demon from inside of me that is pushing me to do evil things. And God will throw him out and strengthen you with his will and his love and his spirit and teach you to walk with him hand in hand every day so that you can be a child of God. I bless you. I tell you all, please go in peace and come back for the next episode of Learning About the Lord.